I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything, yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's, it's so real to this day. I, I I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? (laughs) We did it guys. One that came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Hello, my name is Demetrius. This is Jason. Hey, everyone. And you are listening to Spaces Podcasts Express. Thank you for coming back, everybody. Okay, Jason. We're going to actually do some work this time and get into our topic. Uh, so for those that, although there were actually quite a few listens on that episode. Our, were there? Yeah. So Was there comments? Uh, like that crazy SOB? Or, <laughs> and then they probably said nice things about me. That was probably directed to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, there were a couple comments, but... Um, should we give a second ra- second round now that we know what's going on, supposedly? <laughs> uh, I don't know. We'll see. No, uh, not. If not. I'm tired. <laughs> if the listeners want to hear our opinions on those things again or something else, uh, let us know. Send us an email, hello at Spaces Podcast, or a message on any of the social media, and we'll t- tackle some other uh, topics or political conversations again. So today, what we well, what we wanted to get into last time was this article. Um, it's called, I guess this is the title. It's called "Wait, It Won't?" question mark, and it's an opinion piece. And it says, "No PR architecture won't save us from the pandemic." So this is an article from uh, her name is Kate Wagner. She's a architectural critic now. And I, I'm not quite sure what her full background is, but she really came on my radar when she did this thing called McMansion Hell. And it was a uh, it was a look at, in particular, from what I recall, there was like an image of a um, uh, 
typical suburban house and it was like 4,000 square feet or something. And if you look through, there's like all these different architectural elements from different styles and it's just like plopped on and foam this and whatever that. And it's just like a mishmash of junk. And she looked at sort of the rise of the development home and how they got so big and they were just poorly designed and didn't fit anywhere in any uh, specific style. So she kind of took off from there. But at this point, she's done several pieces and this one popped up on my feed somewhere. And it stood out because of our conversation that we had recently on innovation. So she gets into this article and the particular project she's critical of is this project called Oceanics, which is by Big Bjork Engels. Have you heard of him? I have not. Okay. So he's like huge in the architectural world right now. I have no idea how he got so big so fast, but, um, but this particular project is like a bunch of, it's like a floating city that he created in, uh, in the ocean, which is supposed to respond to rising seawaters. So in her article, the first paragraph says, if you mingle within the spheres of design and architecture, I'm sure you've seen them. They dwell within endlessly scrollable design websites and social media feeds. Some even make it to print. Slick renderings of tree-lined balconies and floating cities, design solutions involving AI or 3D printing or Bitcoin or whatever the new tech buzzword may be. Publicity stunts and art projects devoted to calling attention to any given issue these are only a handful of the subgenres that make up a greater force, a phenomenon I call P-architecture. P-architecture. Yeah. Hmm. So then she goes on a little bit later to define it, and she defines P-architecture as proposed projects, ideas, and innovations that generate a lot of hype and publicity and yet never materialize. And then in parentheses it says and even when they do materialize they do so in a muddled down form it's architecture for click economy a product of the internet age of short attention spans and a constant uncritical drive towards the new and shiny p architecture is the inevitable result of image driven buzzword laden media atmosphere where big Man. ideas <laughs> where big ideas and sumptuous imagery are rewarded time and time again with attention, clicks, and opportunities over the work of up-and-coming or more critical and subversive practitioners. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah. So she really leaned in on this. Uh, she really, like, eviscerated people that have been creating these uh, works that are sort of out of the box and trying to trying to find solutions in different ways. And this really bothered me. Um, I think it should. You know, as as we talked about in that particular, our innovation podcast, there's a huge problem in our industry where everyone's stuck in this old way of thinking about things and not willing to think about the future and how do we improve rather than, you know, avoiding risk and doing the same thing over and over again. Because there's some huge problems that we have to deal with. And she like goes on, I'll put the link in our show notes on our website so you can check it out for yourself. But she goes on to say like, 
this isn't going to solve our problems. And I think that's highly inaccurate and damaging to the industry to, to sort of push that type of thinking. She is critical that, you know, some people are doing this just, and this is why she calls it P architecture. She thinks that some people are doing this just for the attention. Yeah. Yeah. There's probably a little bit of that, um, or maybe even a lot in some cases. I think that that's still necessary to whether it's for your attention or not. I think it's still necessary to explore. Well, what do you think advertising is? Yeah, I'm not. I mean, like, if you break it down in the simplest form, like that's the whole point. That's the whole reason for marketing and advertising. How do you get your product out there? Yeah, it's no different. You know what I mean? So you're just doing it for architecture. Like, what's what's wrong with that? Yeah. How else do you get notoriety and um, you know attention to be able to push stuff like this? Yeah. And you think about like the um, in the car industry, they have all those concept cars. Yeah, none of those are going to be on the road anytime soon, but. They're exploring a lot of different ideas where little pieces may, if they get a lot of accolade and attention and people are like, really want that, that element will maybe show up in a future car that's a little more watered down. That's the whole point. Yeah. We had a guest, um, you guys weren't on this, on this episode, but um, we had a guest last year, Chris Preck, P-R-E-C-H-T. He approaches his firm in a similar way where he does one real project and one concept project a Mm -hmm. quarter, I think he said. And uh, one of the concept projects ended up turning into a real project, like pretty much exactly how he had designed it. If he didn't throw that out there and someone didn't, I think it was like BMW maybe that saw it. If he didn't just come up with it, someone would not have asked for that. The same thing with the iPhone. No one asked for that but it was created and everybody wanted it now. I can't remember. There was a quote that I'll probably butcher and I don't know who said it that I read one time, which I thought was great, which is what we're talking about. And it was something to the effect of imagination as a spark of innovation, right? Mm-hmm. So if you, if you don't think about things and try things new or think about things that have never been done before, how the hell would you ever get there? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's impossible, right? So to your point, the idea of concept cars and what's ca- like cars are a really good example because what's capable in design, what's capable in aerodynamics, what's capable of different types of materials. You know what I mean? Like if you, so I think to me, it comes into that like kind of old, you know, that old age adage where it's like, you know, people just knock on stuff as opposed to taking that energy and provide it into solution type, you know what I mean? Um, forces. It's just a lot easier to knock on people for saying, Oh, well, that would never happen. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I mean, long, I love the, I love the example a long time ago, right? There used to be like fantastic typewriter companies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were the best. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and they're no longer here. So I think if you don't have a little imagination of what you're doing and ask that question of why not, as opposed to why, you know, everything dies. Like it just, it doesn't, it can't evolve. Yeah. So um, that's kind of like that negative mindset, you know, to me, it just is, that's what holds back our industry. It's like completely sandbagging <laughs> the future. Yeah, completely. Like there's been so much that has been taken from just the, um, you know, the creative writing world and, and film of people just dreaming up things and of what the future will be like that people have ended up creating the things that they saw in those movies and now we have them. So I think that's like a requirement 
for any industry to continue to evolve and address issues that we're faced with right now or could be faced with in the near future. Like that's a necessary thing that has to happen. Someone has to think of it at some point. So why, like, why knock someone for doing that? Because it's easier. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I like that's like what's the what's the purpose of it other than you being just kind of a punk? <laughs> like, what's like what's the purpose of going in and being like, well, that's stupid? Why would you use your time on that? Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't know why they're doing that. You don't know if it's important to them. I mean, my thing is like, yeah, I disagree with different things I see a lot of times. Mm-hmm but I don't make some like article about it and tell them that they're idiots for doing so. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that's what she's necessarily saying, but I kind of look at it like, I don't understand why. And if I have a real question, I'm truly interested in understanding it. I ask them. Yeah. I don't just trash them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, And it's kind of, it's kind of the same. It's like, it's an opinion. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's not fair to say what you think is better than what somebody else thinks. You know what I mean? There's no way. You're talking about something that there's no evidence for, facts for, on how this needs to be handled. So why is one right and why is one wrong? Again, it goes back to the other idea. She probably doesn't have a good solution for it. And it's just knocking the guy. Like, that's that kind of, but how else are you going to deal with it? You got to, like, to your point, you got to start trying stuff, right? If that's truly going to be a problem in anything. So it's, it's sad. It's a mentality issue. Now, I know the, the, the two of us personally encountered this at the same time of someone sort of sandbagging the industry moving forward. But have you had any other instances like that where on the construction side, you know, people are trying to move forward with something and there's always that naysayer? Um, I don't know if it's been as blatant. Um, you know, I, I think... Or in your company or, you know, yeah, oh yeah, other, all the time. other companies. Or... All, all the time. I mean, it's like, um, but I think that you can, you can find things like that when you work in a good sized company, when you want to try and find a solution for a problem and the automatic, you know, from the basic level, the automatic answer is, you know, well, we'll we just don't do it that way or we can't <laughs> do it. Like, I mean, that's, that's something, you know, well, that's just not what we do. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, clearly, right. I see the effects of that. Clearly, that's not what we do. Yeah. That's not what I'm asking. You know what I mean? It's like, how do we solve this problem or how do we go about doing that? And the reason I use that typewriter example is because I use that with one of my um, senior guys here last week. You know what I mean? He's like, we need to do it just like this. And I'm like, no, like, that's not what the market needs right now. And he's like, well, we can't get away from what we've always done. Like, we're not getting away from it, but you got to evolve. Yeah. You know, and um, when there's like what I think people miss this is a personal opinion is when there's a problem out there that's really just an opportunity for a solution yeah like the companies and the people that are going to make a difference moving forward are the ones that take those as opportunities mm-hmm. you know they still suck i mean I, you know everybody was oh every problem's an opportunity for a solution that sounds rosy and it's correct it's still tough yeah you know what i mean and it's not what you necessarily you don't want to be hit with a bunch of problems all day long and come up with solutions but it's a mentality for people because it's hard mm-hmm and that's why I go back to the thing. It's a lot easier just to knock somebody down for trying. Like there's, there's that great quote, right? The first person through the wall is always the most bloody. You know what I mean? Like that's the case, right? And you have to have really thick skin. But think about that. If we flip that paradigm, you know, of mentality mm-hmm. to like supporting that person as opposed to whatever going, gosh, this guy could be a visionary. That's why everybody gets behind Elon Musk, right? Yeah, He's a visionary. It's the, it's the idea. I would tell you from a business practice, it's not very good. You know what I mean? But, you know, 
but it's like, God, what, what else can you come up with? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And he's one of those guys that you just need to tell him you can't do that. And he's going to spend all day and all night trying to figure out how to do it. Like we need more people like that. You know what I mean? And then, and then the right support people behind that to then further that. Mm-hmm. Um, and as goofy as this sounds to me, a lot of that's like government should push that. You follow what I'm saying? Like if this is really going to be an issue in the future, like those grant monies and everything else should go that direction to help those people do that to where it's a support structure as opposed to everything being privatized in that. That's like a human good thing to me, right? For like that you've kind of talked about um, from the architecture standpoint, like, hey, if this is truly a, a problem, you know, environmentally and economically, like here's some opportunities, like let's have a you know state fair about it, you know what I mean? And, and present some things and let's decide which one makes the most sense and let's go after it, you know? Yeah. Um, that's the kind of mentality I think we need to be able to, to handle those. But on the construction side, I actually have a lot more builders that are going more and more panelized, modulized and all this kind of stuff. Like projects are popping up and up and up because these few that have done it have actually shown that it will work. So now people are like, okay, I'm not the first one through the wall. It's showing that it's working. I mean, yeah, it's great. You yeah. know what I mean, it's like, well, where the hell were you <laughs> two years ago? Yeah. But the truth of the matter is they don't want to be the first one through the wall. Yeah. So you need somebody that's going to do that. So, I mean, you know, I never thought about it before, but maybe that's one of the ways you do that. You just kind of go through and it's like, Hey, you know, um, it's a great idea. Let's, you know, let's set aside a budget to do these types of things and, and push that personal support. For people that are stuck in companies or uh, firms or whatever, I mean, in situations where they're trying to move forward, but there's all this pushback, what do you think would be the way to convince someone to be more innovative? Um, yeah, it takes, you know, this is the hard part, right? So I, one of the things that I've always said, at least in my opinion, is that everybody should do sales or be a waiter or waitress, mm-hmm. right? Because you come up against negativity all the time doing that. And so you need to learn to, to hear what that person's saying could be potentially their issue with it or their, their block mm-hmm. and find another way to present it, Right. And so I think what I would do is I would try, if someone comes and says, no, that'll never work, why not? They need to figure out a way with that individual to go to them and say, okay, I believe it will, but I trust you. Mm-hmm. And if you're telling me it won't work, can you help me understand why it won't work yep. so I can apply that theory to whatever it is I'm looking at? Like, tell me from your experience. So you almost have to pump the tires of that ego and challenge them in a softer way to, tell, to give them, to show your work. Yeah. Like as a teacher, right? Well, I know five <laughs> times 10 is 50. I get it, but show me your work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Remember all that stuff when we were a kid and we're like, this is stupid. But the whole point behind it was I need to understand how you're getting there. Yeah. So I can better understand why that, why you come up with that, um, that result. Yeah. Right? And so that, that would be my challenge, you know, to people. And that's, that would be my suggestion. And at some point, one of two things is going to happen either a, you're going to get into a fluid conversation where you can rationalize exactly what's going on. And then if you can rationalize it, then you can actually provide solutions to that true concept that they're concerned with. Right. Yeah. Or they may just be one of those things where it's like, Nope, 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 Nope. And then that's that thing where you got to decide, do you really want to be there or do you want to go somewhere else? You know what I mean? And, and, and it's incumbent on the people, you know, that are in those positions of power and authority to foster that. Yeah. And, but there's not a lot of people that do that. You know, I get challenged a lot in my role by my team, which I'm totally fine with. And in, in fact, I, I, I tell them, if you don't agree with it or you're not sure, come tell me, you know what I mean? And let's talk about it, but, but have your facts ready. Not just, I don't think this is going to work because you know, the first thing I'm going to say is, well, well, why not? <laughs> yeah. Tell me why you don't think so or what you have providing a foundation for that belief. 
and then we can really have a discussion yeah other than maybe you just don't want to do it you know what i mean like those types of things and so i think if you have that information available you approach it in the right manner you'll have a much better chance at getting to move forward with those things not every time yeah. you know what i mean you're <laughs> going to get a lot of doors slammed in your face right that's why i say sales is great yeah. you get a lot of doors slammed in your face but then you got to find another avenue to do that yeah so um, i think a lot of it has to do with that portion of it but it's hard yeah it's, it's hard yeah, I totally agree. I was going to say something similar in that you, I think you present the problem and you, you show why there is a problem and then you have your solution to it. And then the, the person that slams the door in your face, you bring them in and, you know, start that dialogue. And before you know it, they're working on the problem with you because you're asking them what is why is this not a problem to you? Why will it not work? And then the, the two of you are working through it together. Even though it may be a short conversation, you yeah. start to spark the thought in their head. And then they're either going to start to give you a little bit of slack on that and say, well, maybe we should look at this. Or maybe they'll help you understand why it's either not a problem or why your solution won't work. And then you can kind of move yeah. from there. And I think that the other thing too, it's almost like, you know, Trojan or sometimes you got to sacrifice an idea, <laughs> right? Like go into and go, you know what? Okay, fine. Well, I'm not interested in doing that anymore. We won't move forward with it, blah, blah, blah. Sacrifice it and say, but help me understand now why you were looking at it the way you were looking at it. Because you, you, with the person you have to realize they've already fought you on it. Yeah. So if you come back trying to go, look, I really want to do this. I need to understand they're going to be, they're just going to like, you know, tense up, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, look, take it off the table. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm done with it. And, and understand that part of that is to then go into and gain confidence from them saying, I trust you. We don't have to do that. Mm -hmm. But now help me understand how you think. Yeah. You know what I mean? So maybe the next one you have a better opportunity to come back with. You know what I mean? Because most of the time, look, like I come up with all sorts of stuff and, and, and a lot of it doesn't go through. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It just, it just doesn't. But a lot of it does. Yeah. And, and so that's okay. You're not going to win every battle, right? It's like, it's the battle doesn't necessarily decide the war. You know what I mean? So when you look at it from that perspective, it's okay to lose a little battle here, or lose a little battle here, as long as the overall picture in the war is going the right direction. You know what I mean? So I think sometimes like that sacrificial lamb, like, you know, have that one out there. Like, no, it's cool. We'll kill it. <laughs> Done. But tell me why. Yeah. You know what I mean? Help me understand why. So that way I don't waste your time in the future. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't challenge you in the future. You know, those kind of, there's a whole lot of emotional intelligence that goes into that. And you learn their, the way that they think on that That's, first, on that first try and you know how to approach them the second time. That is everything. And I think, you know, I, I, I don't know if we've talked about it before. I'm huge on the the, the new term is a new ish term as opposed to IQ is EI emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. Like that is all of it. Understanding people, the sociology, the psychology, those types of things of why people work the way they work or what makes them tick. Because if you can manipulate what it is you do mm -hmm. um, to get your point across in a, in a manner in which they best receive it, you win. It's not about me telling you the way I want to tell you. It's about me talking to you in the way you're going to best understand what it is I want to present. Yeah. I have a far better chance. And so by sacrificing one here or there to get your foot in the door and understand how their mind works, now you're on the right path. And that's as you get into management more and more with people, you know, it's incumbent on you. It's all about people to understand why that person does this and that person does this and that to teach them the same things. You know what I mean? Uh, but you're hundred percent correct. Like it's, it's getting that foot in the door to understand how they look at things and why they look at them that way. Yeah.
for sure. So this is all applicable to a lot of different scenarios, working within your company, presenting a project to a client, anytime you're basically interacting with people and trying to get your ideas across, um, whether they're super out of the box and innovative or just somewhat mundane. <laughs> but um, we'll, we'll tie it up here. We're running long on this one. But thank you for joining me again, uh, Jason. That was a good one. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the listeners. And we will talk again on Thursday here for Express. Thanks. This show is part of the Gable Media Network. You can check out similar content at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. You can help support what we're doing here by leaving a five-star rating and a review on your preferred podcasting app. It helps others find us, and your support is the only way that this show grows. And don't forget to connect with us through our Facebook community, Instagram, and see the random thoughts and articles that we share on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thank you again for spending some time with us. Talk soon. architecture firm owners and emerging leaders. Get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host Patrick McLaney, FAIA former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise. From 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm.